people what's going down welcome to another bonus episode of chin check um i figured as it's a companion to echoes from the void hey we might as well go with some more black keys right um so this episode we are breaking down the um recent invicta 36 Sorensen v young the UFC Fight Night, Shevchenko v Karmouche 2, and Week 8 of Dana White's Contender Series. So, let's uh, let's kick back and um, check all these shows out, right? So, we are starting off the weekend of martial arts. Oh, the next few days of martial arts well with Invicta 36 which saw Pam Sorensen fight Caitlin Young for the vacant featherweight belt uh, it was coming from <clears throat> Kansas City with uh, Julie Kedzie and TJ DeSantis on commentary duty which is always good it's always fun man and especially because you don't really hear tj talk on the florian anik podcast so um yeah he was doing his thing started the night off with um julia ottolini against megan corley both making their professional debuts um (sighs) I don't know about this one. Like Megan Cawley trains with um, Felicia Spencer, but you know, and I think that was some of the narrative that she trains, you know, with Felicia Spencer, and they they you know they spar well together. But from this performance. Ottolini really did outclass Corley. She really did. She was first to the punch and and she threw in bunches and it looked like she had Corley in trouble all the way through the fight. It went to a decision but yeah, there was times when Corley didn't seem to know what she was doing. You know, and especially when she got punched, sometimes she seemed to just shell up and just not not try and move. Just, you know, what I mean? not really defend herself that well. And I think if Ottolini had more fight experience, she probably could have stopped the fight. But when she would get Corley on the fence, she would crowd her. So she couldn't really effectively use her punches. You know, instead of giving it a bit of distance and just letting loose, she'd get in a bit too close and still try and throw 
you know what I mean, the, the, the sharp long one twos and they're not going to work when you're in real close, you have to throw different punches, um, so yeah, it, you know, Ottolini won, I've, I've, I probably would have kept that fight on the prelims, because it was just a bit too scrappy, a bit too scrappy, it wasn't very technical, and uh, and I think this is the thing with with the female game is still very young, you know, and a lot of people do criticize it for unskilled fights, which isn't true. But when you see a fight like this, it it does help people with that argument. Uh, the next fight was Aaron Harp against Autumn Norton. Um. This was this was an intriguing fight because Harp was really sharp, really quick on her feet. Um and Autumn, you know, she came she seemed to kind of just plow forwards. Um I I would say that Harp was I think she did the most. Like she took Norton down a few times throughout the three rounds. She didn't really do a lot. You know, didn't really do a lot from the top position, but she did control it. You know, um Norton had she had a good guard, but yeah, she wasn't really f- trying to throw up any submission attempts or anything like that. So that was a the thing. There was times when she she wasn't really trying to get up. She was, you know, using her legs to disrupt Harp's base. But she wasn't trying to get up. Which I think definitely lost Norton the fight. Now... It was a split decision. I don't know where they got the split decision from. Because Harp definitely won the fight. Now, and that's not to say Norton was um, a walkover. It's just Harp had a bit more diversity in her attacks. And she took Norton down a few times. Uh, The next fight was Caitlin Sammons against Chantel Coates. And um, Coates, in her Invicta debut, got the fastest knockout um, in the division. You know, so, like, yeah, Coates looked good. And in the first round, she really took it to Salmon. You know, she really took it to her. She marked her up um, and rocked her. Definitely rocked Salmon. Um. Yeah, it, it it was you know a good performance, you know, in that first round. Um, Coates threw some, you know, she, a, she a really good variety of um, you know, punches. And that was it, and she had some powerful kicks. It was re- it was a really good first round. Uh Second round started though, and um, Salmon looked like she had finally kind of woken up 
and she was ready. And, um, you you know, you kind of felt that Salmons has got a ground game. And that was the questionable part of Coates. Because she's a, a, a Mai Tai fighter. And it was like, how would she be if it went to the ground? Um, and so Salmon was able to get in on the clinch. And she took Coates down. And as soon as it hit the ground, you were just like... Oh no, his coat just didn't really seem to know what to do. It was like a hot knife on butter. Salmon's just took control, took her back, sunk in the rear naked, and it was done. It was done. So Salmon's took the fight. Um, I I do think, you know, from what we saw from Coates in the first round, all she needs to do is really just work on the her uh, her ground game. If she can work on the ground game, you know, she um has potential. Definitely has potential. Uh the next fight was Elise Anderson against Katie Saul. And um, Katie Saul is the girlfriend of Brad Katona. Uh, so she trains at SBG. Um, you know, so she's got good training partners. Um, Anderson doesn't fight a lot, but she's very talented. And um, I think that's what we saw here. Now, Katie did take this fight on, I think it was like 10 days notice. So, you have to give it to Saul for um, being in it. Like, she was in it. You know, she showed good endurance. But this was pretty much all Anderson. And I think the prop, the thing was, Katie couldn't stop the takedown. Now, Elise took Kate, seemed to be able to take Katie down on, at will. So Katie wanted it to be a stand-up game, but she didn't really sit down on her punches. So Elise was able to walk through the punches. You know, there there was anything to to give her pause. So she was able to take Katie down and um just you know, try and impose her will on the ground with some ground and pound. Yo, know, it was it was a pretty decent top game. You know, Katie was able to um stall her in on occasions, but this was a clear win for Elise Anderson. It went to decision. Um it it was one one judge gave it twenty nine twenty eight to Saul. I I have not got a clue what they were seeing. That was yeah. The judges weren't. There was some questionable business from the judges today, but um yeah, that was a clear win for Elise Anderson. Um, our next fight was Victoria Leonardo against Stephanie Gutmacher. Um, oh my god, this was a war. This really was a war. It was a back and forth 
all three rounds. It it really was. It, you know, it, it it was it was hard to go. Um, yeah, it, that fight, that fighter is winning. You know, it it was so. It was relentless. It really was, and they were basically in a in a phone box, throwing at each other. It was a fast paced fight all the way through. Um, Gutmacher, yo, yeah, she she did. She, you know, she put together some good combinations. She plowed forward. Leonardo did use. You know, she was able to use her reach. Um, and her, uh, you know, distance game and, um, pick Gutmacher apart and really mark her up, uh, you know, at, at the end of the fight, Gutmacher was just bleeding all over the place, you know, it was crazy, so it went to a decision and, um, okay, so it was announced a um yeah a split decision for Gutmacher. So uh, Laura Sanko came in, did the interview, and just as Gutmacher was taking photos, the commission came in. There'd been a mistake. It was a um, unanimous decision for Leonardo. So yeah, that was. Ah, uh, when you when you saw Gutmacher get the word from the commission, you just saw her whole body just drop. So you knew what had happened straight away. Now, I mean, this was a very close fight, a very close fight. I think, yeah, I I think Leonardo probably just took it. Just on on the fact that her movement, you know, uh, the, the way she could get in and out of the pocket and was able to come out a bit less, uns- a bit less ska- unscathed than Gutmacher. Um, but yeah, it, it was a close fight. Neither stock diminished with this fight, you know. Um, so Gutmacher, she lost, but. She shouldn't feel too dejected because it was a very good performance. Uh, so next up was Jessica Delboni v Lindsay Van Sant. And again, this was a very back and forth fight. Very back and forth fight. And um Yeah, like in the first round, Delboni took Van Sant down. And um yeah, Delboni wasn't able to really do anything from the top, but Van Sant had a very active guard, and like in the um, earlier fight between Aaron Harp and Autumn Norton, now Autumn Norton, she um, from the bottom, she was she was able to s- disrupt Harp's top game, but that's all she was doing now. Lindsay Van Sant, her bottom game was very active, very active. Now, she was throwing up 
a lot of different attempts for submissions. You know, she was trying to get... She had mission control a few times. You know, going for... Um, oh, I forget what, what it's called. But yeah, she was going for a lot off the back. You know, so... Yeah, it... it like, Delboni wasn't really doing anything from the top. So, you know... It, it, you could very well say Van Sant took the first round from, you know, just being the most active fighter. In the second round, Van Sant took Del Boney down. And um, Van Sant was, you know, trying to work, trying to throw some ground and pound. Um, Del Boney, now she was throwing up uh, you know, trying to keep it moving from the bottom. Not as successful as Van Sant, but still, you know, pretty active. In the third round, I think Del Boney took Van Sant down like two, two times. And, yeah, landed more ground and pound. So, um, this went to a decision. Uh, yeah, it was a split. But Del Boney took it. And look, it was very close. But I think because of the two takedowns in the third, Del Boney just eked that one out. So we then had the co-main event, which was Janicia Moradini against Emily Ducott. Um, and Janisa, hey, it was... Um, a strawweight fight, but Janisa came in four and a half pounds heavy, which isn't good, isn't good, um, but, you know, Ducott took the fight, and, um, yo, this was a really good fight, because, so, at the, be in the beginning of the first round, Janisa is, um, you know, she's, pretty light on her feet moving moving around um and emily is kind of just workmanlike and it looks like she's plodding okay you know what i mean she's not she's not light on her feet or anything like that but just little movements and she's evading all the all the punches coming at her She's evading all the punches and then landing sharp combinations back. So that was the thing. And Janice was landing a few leg kicks. Was well, more to the body. So she was landing kicks. Um but Emily was the sharper one with the punches. Then Janice throws a um, body kick. Janice uh, Emily catches it. And lands a, a great left hook. Puts Janisa down. And um, Emily jumps on her. And just swarms with punches. And the referee jumps in and stops. Now, this is the thing. Janisa gets up straight away and complains. And... You could say it was an early stoppage, but when you really look at what happened, Janisa did seem to 
like the arm did kind of drop. It dropped in a way that made it look like she was out. But she didn't bring her arm up to try and defend her face. Yo, she wasn't really trying to get up. And yet, when the arm dropped a bit, there was nothing really the ref could do but stop the fight. Um, so yeah, Emily Ducott won with um, a first round TKO. So um, yeah, gr- and she was that was her debut in Victor. So a really good, really good way to get her account started. So we then on to the main fight, Pam Sorensen against Caitlin Young. So like everyone knows, Young has been in the game for a long ass time. She did seem to um, retire from MMA. You know, she was the um, matchmaker in Invicta for a while. But she came back, like, three fights. She was on a three-fight winning streak. So she got this fight against Sorensen. And I think the thing with this fight, so it went the full five rounds. Went the full five rounds. But it just seemed that Sorensen had just a bit more. You know, she Sorensen was able to take Young down. And, you know, land some ground and pound. Now, Young did get up a few times. But she just wasn't able to stop the takedown. Wasn't able to stop the takedown. And Sorensen landed some heavy punches on the feet. So, you know what I mean? Young wasn't outclassed. But it was like she was just a step behind. You know? Just a little fraction behind Sorensen in everything that was going on. So, uh. Yeah, Sorensen gets the win, and, um, you know, she is crowned the new, um, the new featherweight champion, so, uh, yeah, good night for, um, Sorensen, and a good night for him, Victor, this was some fun fights, and a good start to a, a few days of Mixed martial arts. We've got the UFC tomorrow. Uh, you know, it's the uh, Uruguay event with um, Shevchenko against Carmouche for the second time. And then on Tuesday, we've got the Contender Series. So, um, yeah, this started things off nicely. All right. So, um, yeah. Oh, Some really great news from this broadcast. So it looks like there's another Phoenix Rising event in September. So, um, yeah, the first one when um, Brianna the Bull won, you know what I mean? She won the title. So, um, hey, looking forward to this one, you know, because it, hey, it's a Fun new addition to the Invicta, um, you know, fighting calendar. So, yeah, that, that was great news. But, hey, roll on the weekend, right? 
Well, people, the UFC expansion continues. We've just had UFC Fight Night Shipkenko v. Carmouche 2 from Monte Montevida, Uruguay. Yep, another trip to South America. And um, I think on paper, people were thinking this card was a bit thin. But... God damn it, this was a good card, a really good card, and we have definitely seen some potential talent shine tonight, you know, yeah, it was so much fun, so much fun, like, just straight away, straight away, you know, we, we saw some great shit going down, like, um, so the first fight was in the women's flyweight division, Veronica Macedo against Pollyanna Viana, and Viana had been on a bit of a tear, you know, but she, she went in on Macedo, tried to clinch up, Macedo took Vieira down, and Yo, just sunk in a submission. And it was done. It was done. And the crazy thing is, everyone kind of thought Vienna was the one that had the advantage on the ground. So, I I think that was, you know, I think that, that was basically saying what kind of night this was going to be. Like, the next fight, the next couple of fights were good. They went to decision. But they were pretty back and forth. Then we had um, Rogero Bontarin against Rolian Parivi. And yo, so it was Bontarin that was looked at to be like the power puncher. And both fighters had come off really good wins on um, the Contender Series Brazil. Uh but it was like Pavilia that landed the first heavy strike and kind of kind of shook um, Bonterin a little bit. But they but they were in the pocket throwing each other, and um, you know so Pavilia had cut Bonterin. And referee stopped it, looked at the cut, it was underneath the eye, so it was fine. They a few more exchanges later, and um Pavia got a cut. I think it was from a knee. And when the referee stopped it, it was a bit like, ah, oh, checking another cut. Come on, man. And then you saw the cut. This was yo, Pavia had the hugest cut above his um oh man I think it was the right eye it looked like a mouth it looked like a mouth had opened up above his goddamn eye it was ridiculous and so yeah that as soon as you saw that cut you knew that fight was not going any further referee stopped it straight and yeah I mean you, you, there was no way that fight could have gone any longer. It was just, it was so ridiculous. 
so ridiculous. But it was a fun-ass fight up until that point. Um, other fun fights are in that first. Like Tisha Torres against Marina Rodriguez. Um, yo, Rodriguez won on decision and it's like, look, when I say she dominated Torres, it wasn't like she walked all over Torres, but Rodriguez, you know, she utilized her reach and the clinch, her clinch game was, was just nasty, Torres couldn't really do anything and Rodriguez was landing knees, so yeah, she kind of dominated the fight. Torres was still trying to throw, still coming forward, but she just couldn't couldn't get Rodriguez down. You know what I mean? Couldn't really impose a will in any way. So it'd be interesting to see what Torres does next. You kind of feel that ah man, if if there was an atom weight, she'd be fine. But straw weight, I don't she's never going to win a title. She, she, you know, I don't think she can ever get to that spot where she would be in title contention. Uh, next fight, it was heavyweight, heavyweight, and so this, god damn it, this was crazy, right? So both guys were big, both were big heavyweights. Um, so you had Cyril Gain and Rafael Pasio. And um, Pasioa was throwing, throwing. Didn't land anything, but he was throwing from the fences, you know. But Gain was light on his feet. He was avoiding, he was avoiding. And then towards the end of the first round, he was able to get Pasioa down. And ah. Uh, in, in getting him down, he, he was able to just go straight into a head and arm choke. And, you know, it was over quick. Paseo had to tap, man. He had to tap before he went out. And the last fight was um, Gilbert Burns against Alexi Konakeko. Um, so it was Burns' debut at welterweight. And he looked good. First two rounds, he looked really good. He looked sharp. He was in and out landing, and um, Konchenko couldn't do anything. wasn't wasn't able to land on Burns. wasn't really able to do anything. Couldn't take him down. Um, but Burns kind of took this on a bit short notice, and it's his first fight at welterweight. So third round, he was very tired. He was very—I mean, he was getting tired towards the end of the second, but he was able to persevere and, you know, impose his will. In the third, he was very tired, uh, but he did just enough to take the fight. You know, because he won the first two rounds. And even though he was tired in the third, it wasn't a, a walkover for Konchenko. You know, Burns still was able to take him down. Um, was the, still able to, you know, offer some good defense. But it was um, Konchenko's best round. But yeah, Burns took the decision. So we're then on to the main card. And, um, whoa, 
Yeah. So the first fight between um, Enrique Barzola and Bobby Moffitt. Yo, this was a crazy fight. It was insane. Like, they were just back and forth. Just throwing heavy punches at each other. Uh, you, you could say when it first started, it looked like Moffitt might have had the advantage. He seemed to be able to land um, and just avoid being hit. As the first round went unknown, Barzola was able to get more into the fight and he ended the round with a takedown. Second round, complete reversal. Bozola was the one landing and avoiding getting hit. And Moffitt seemed to have slowed down. Um, just couldn't, seemed like he'd lost his range. Then in the third round, like Moffitt was landing a bit more. But Barzola, you know, I think he still had the edge. He was still landing heavy punches. Um, and he got a couple of takedowns, I believe, at least one. They he did, wasn't able to hold Moffitt down for ages, but he still got the takedown. Um, and I think he engaged a little bit more. So yeah, Barzola took the decision on that one. Um, then it was Rodolfo Vieira against Oscar Pacheto. Uh, yo, this was a good fight. Um, you know, Vieira, he's debuted to the UFC. And, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, it, when they got in there, you could see Vieira was, like, he was big. You know what I mean? He was big. Uh, not saying Pacheto wasn't, but, yo, Vieira, you, you could see that, hey, if he could get it to the ground, he'd be able to do something. Because, yeah. Um, but he was landing well on his feet as well. He he was landing some good strikes. And, yeah, Pichetto wasn't really able to do much. He was always second when it came to, you know, interaction. Um, start of the second round, though, Vieira was definitely tired. He's definitely tired. But, you know, he, he still, he was still able to land on Pachetta. But Pachetta was landing more. You know, he was coming forward more. He was starting to impose his will. But then Vieira was able to take him down. So he held him for a bit. And to try and avoid one submission attempt... Pacheta like gave up his kind of side which then allowed Vieira to sink in and head and arm and he just cranked it squeezed squeezed and Pacheta had to tap but yeah that was, was a really good debut a really good debut to the UFC so next we had finally <laughs> we Finally had the light heavyweight encounter of Vulcan Uzumir and Ilir Latifi. You know, we, we've been waiting for this fight, like, all summer, man. It kept on getting postponed and postponed. But, yes, it took place and it was a good fight. 
was a good fight. Like on UFC Unfiltered, Ozamir said that um, you know, Latifi, the way that he will win is if he can knock him out fast. And Latifi came out like that, throwing, trying to land that early knockout punch. But Uzumir was very light on his feet. He was able to evade all of um, Latifi's heavy shots. And throwing, like, throwing some big, huge punches the way Latifi does, you can easily see why he gets tired. But you, you, you're doing that add on being hit constantly with with jabs, with jabs and hooks. You know you, that's definitely going to drain you, and it really did. Really started to drain Latifi. Uzumi put him down in the first, but Latifi was able to get back up and get his wits back to him. So it went to the second round. Again, Uzumir is landing and getting out. Coming in, landing, getting out. He's starting to utilize knees. And he landed a really good knee on Latifi that just seemed to really drain him. And then it was, um, he landed a good straight punch. Then an overhand that put Latifi down. He was kind of caught himself on his arm, but now he's like in a yoga pose, fence behind him, can't go anywhere, and Uzumir just, oh, he just positioned the perfect punch straight on Latifi's chin, and Latifi face planted on the floor, he was out cold for at least a minute, at least a minute, Man, it and I have to say, this was a, a, a far more patient Uzumir. This was one of the best performances we've seen from Uzumir because he didn't rush, didn't rush. He was very, um, he like he fought, he, you could see he was thinking more in the ring. You know, so he he put his punches together. He utilized kicks. He utilized his knees. He was light on his feet. You know, this was definitely the best fight IQ we've seen out of Uzumir so far in the octagon. Um, and it was a great fight. So you were just a bit like, ah, oh, that should have been further up the card. But we then had Luis Eduardo Garagori against Herberto Bandewe. And, um, you know, Garagori, he was the the sole Uruguayan fighter on the card. So you could see why this fight was there. And, yo, this was a great fucking fight. This was a really good fight. So, you know, it was all good. Because, you know, the Uzumir Latifi was a good fight. But, yo, nothing dropped. This was still a fun back and forth war. There were so many of these fights where the people, like the fighters just were in the pocket throwing. Throwing down at each other. And, yo, this one. It started off where... um. 
it kind of looked like maybe Mandare was going to have the advantage because, you know, he had the jiu-jitsu and he took Garagori down a couple of times. But Garagori just got straight up. Like, and the crazy thing was, there was no real setup involved. You know, there wasn't any, like, maneuvering. He just powered himself up. Powered himself up. And so, kind of from that point on, you could see that Garagori was just like, you know what, fuck it. I'm throwing because I can get up. This ain't a threat to me. And so from that point onwards, he started to put together these combinations. And it's what you always hear. Just don't throw two, throw three, four. And that's what Garagori was doing. He was throwing four, five punch combinations on um, Bandaway. And, yo, they were landing. And so as the fight went on, you could see the energy draining from Bandaway. Like, he tried another takedown in the second round. Um, and this time, it looked like he might be able to get Garagori's back. But, you know, Garagori used his intelligence, used his IQ in there. And he kind of scraped him off with the fence, got back up, and then just took it to Manaway. And so... Anaway has now taken so many punches that he's visibly tired, visibly tired, and Garagori is coming forward, he's throwing, he's throwing kicks, and um, yeah, he, he got the decision, it was a really good performance, but I have to say, Anaway, he didn't, you know, although he was tired, he, he you know, he, he stayed in there, so he still, you know, he... Like, he didn't look terrible, you know? Didn't look terrible. But Garagori, great home performance and debut. Yeah, so now we're in the co-main event. Vicente Luque against Mike Perry. And, oh, man, this was another war. Another war. Like, so, it's just back and forth. Back and forth, but Perry is where he, at the beginning of his UFC career he was so wild, so wild. Like now he's really d been able to put it together. He's so more, so much more patient in there. You know, he he's really able to try and see what's in front of him. Throw the right combinations, throw the kicks, you know, move in when he sees an opportunity, but then step out so he's not getting hit. So we just had this back and forth war between the two of them. And the crazy thing is, Perry's landing some heavy shots. But I think a problem is, I think Perry's been into so many wars that he's got scar tissue. So Lupe's landed on him. And Perry's got cuts under, you know, both eyes. He's bleeding. But, you know, Luke is, yo, he's red. He's marked up as well. And they're just throwing. And I think, 
man, it, it's, it, it was so close. And you could say Luke got the first. And um, Perry got the second. I think that that you could definitely say that. And in that third round. In that third round. It was so close. But I think I might have given it. No. You know what? No. I, I tell a lie. I think I gave the first two. I think I gave the first two rounds to Perry and the third round to Luke. But as I said, look, it was so close, you know, because they were just back and forth trading, you know. Um, I think it, it, you know, when Perry was landing, he landed some visibly hard shots on Luke, where Luke kind of like. Stumbled or head snapped back And Luke didn't do that As much to Perry So that's why I feel Perry probably Won the fight But it went to decision and the Judges gave it to Luke But yeah It was so close So back and forth You can't really argue But it was a great fight It was a war And Oh my god, in the third round, Luke landed a knee on Perry that fucked his nose up. So then, at the end of the fight, when Perry kind of just looked up, you saw, like, both eyes marked. And then his nose was at, like, three o'clock. Oh my god, his nose was, oh, it was mess. It was a mess. Yo, I, I I think Perry might be out for the rest of the year because that nose did not look good. You know, at the earliest, he may be good to fight, possibly November. I don't know though, because yeah, it was a nasty, nasty break on the nose. So now we're in the main event: Val- Valentina Shevchenko against Liz Carmouche, and so th- this is. Their second fight, right? And the big... And I remember when I heard... And, like, the talk was... Oh, so Karmush beat Shevchenko in the first fight? Oh, shit. I wonder, like... Oh. Then you see Dr. Stoppage. And you're like... Okay. That makes sense. Now, it's not that they Karmush isn't a good fighter. But Shevchenko is just... A beast... She's just, you know, she, she's got it all. The striking, the jiu-jitsu, the rest. Yo, she's got it all. And, yo, so this fight started and, you know, the first round was very kind of tentative, feeling each other out. But Shevchenko was the one controlling it. You know, she was the one landing the most in that first and it kind of just went from there. It was it was a, a more cautious Shevchenko than we've seen. And I think the problem for her is after the last fight and the way she just shut off um, Jessica I's lights. You know what I mean? I think everyone now it just expects that. Which is, you know, it's a tough one for Shevchenko. Because, yeah, that's not going to happen every time. 
And this was, as I said, look, this is a more cautious Shevchenko. But even in the, you know, the cautiousness, she still, she dominated this fight. Dominated it on her feet. She she took Carmouche down a few times. And where before we've really seen um, Shevchenko attack on the ground, that wasn't really the case this time out. She, um... You know, she just controlled it on the ground. Really just controlled Karmouche. Didn't really go for any submissions or anything like that. Just, yeah, just controlled it. Just kind of was heavy on top. Just kind of sapping Karmouche's energy. But, uh, yeah, at no point did it look like Karmouche was going to really do anything. She didn't really, Kamush didn't really land. And even going into the fifth round, Kamush clearly had lost the first four. And her corner was like, look, we believe in you, Liz. You can, you can definitely stop this fight, you know. But, like, Kamush didn't really do anything. Didn't really push it in a way to try and get, like the knockout, try and get the submission win, didn't really do anything, so yeah, Shevchenko took that fifth round as well, and yeah, was just a dominant, unanimous decision win for um, Shevchenko, it is hard to see who can beat her in this division, yeah, yeah, like she did call for the trilogy with um, Nunes, so I think that's, with um, Cyborg out of the UFC and that fight looking like it won't happen, I think a fight with Shevchenko is probably the most appealing fight for Nunes going forward. And it's probably going to be the most challenging fight for Shevchenko as well. But uh, who knows what will happen. But yeah, was a um, it was a really good card, real enjoyable fights. It was really fun. So um, yeah, this is um, you know, the main part of the weekend. So we had a victor on Friday, this today, and it's the contender contender series on Tuesday. So another another good, you know, a good few days of fights people so yeah looking forward to contender series this week i think it's week eight Arrgh. all right let's uh let's wait and see what happens there well it was another oh man another great week of fights on dana white's contender series this is week eight and yeah, I, I, it's crazy, man. It's, it's like every week has been so good, and you think, okay, surely we're gonna have to get a week where it's just a bit, yeah, it's fine, it's fine. You know, does it make sense? It's, it's just, you know, it's just what happens sometimes. But we haven't got there yet. We haven't got you there yet, people. Even though the first fight made you think, 
Oh, this is the week. Yeah, I think this is the week. <laughs> you know, it was... Um, so the first fight was Julius and Glacius. You know, sounded like Julio and Glacius. When I wasn't paying attention at the very beginning. I was like, Julio and Glacius is fighting? Huh? But um, yes, it was Julius and Glacius against Carl Reed. And the thing with this is, so Reed, he looked very tired after the first round. And Julius, although, you know, it didn't take much longer for him to get tired. But when it looked like he had the advantage, he didn't jump on it. You know, he didn't. It's like he just didn't really seem to make a huge effort to um, get Reed out of there. And even when Reed was, you know, doing well in the first round, he didn't really look like he was really trying to finish Julius. You know, it was it was just a weird fight. It just seemed that they were going at, um, you know, a training session pace, and, you know, come, um, you know, the third round, I think Reed, um, Reed had his bait back taken, and Glacius was able to get the rear naked choke, um, it wasn't, it wasn't even a really great rear naked, but as soon as it was there, you knew that, yeah, you knew Reed was tapping, you know, um, but it was one of those fights where you're just like, I'm like, yeah, and Glacius isn't going to get a contract, but the next fight, so the next fight had Ray Rodriguez against Tony Gravely, and this, oh my god, so this was the fight that you expected from a fight from the Contender Series, you know, this season, this was, oh, this was back and forth, man, both fighters were taking it to each other, both fighters wanted it, and, you know, like, gravely had the advantage, you know, he just had that slight edge. He was able to take Rodriguez down. He was landing good combinations, good kicks. But Rodriguez had a never-say-die attitude. Rodriguez was in there trying to win. And at the start of the third round, he tried to pull off a Mastaval. You know what I mean? And you've got to commend him for that. Because he knew he was down, he knew he had to take out Gravely, and he wanted to throw everything at the wall. It, you know, it didn't work. He got caught with um, a straight right coming in, but he made an effort. And all the way through, Rodriguez was making that effort, but Gravely was just a bit sharper. Just a bit sharper. And he was able to... Um, get Rodriguez's back from a takedown, like, about halfway through the third round, and just rain down punches, and get the stoppage 
with a TKO. Um, but it was a great fight and a really good performance from Gravely. And um, yeah, you just thought, okay, Gravely's getting a contract, man. That's a great performance. The next fight was Sarah Alpar against Shayna Young. Now, Alpar was the um, LFA champion, I believe. And I think even Shayna Young was a champion from another organization as well. Um, but yeah, when you heard both ladies' stories, it was just like, oh shit, both really want this you know this is so important to both of these ladies and um yeah they started fast and hard and um yeah so alpa you know she was coming hard she she didn't really have her range down in the first round and you know she was throwing very wide wildly and um, Young looked the more refined, the sharper fighter. That's what you kind of took from the first round. Now, coming into the second, oh, like Alpa was just, oh, man, she she was more precise, more, you know what I mean? Ain't, more, like, I wouldn't say cautious, but she was thinking more about what she was going to do. And that was the big difference to her game. Definitely made a huge... Just... It just changed everything up. Her, You know, her approach was definitely different. She was able to get young down. Like, she landed some good punches. I think she threw a knee. And Young was rocked, landed some punches, then was able to get Young down. And, like, she was going for the rear naked, but she could, didn't have hooks in. Didn't have hooks in, and it just didn't look like it was going to come. Then she got into a better position. Still not both hooks in, but she was able to get the arm under the chin and when they rolled she was able to um get the second hook in and as soon as that second hook went in you know young had to tap because you could see that she stretched her out and yeah young had to tap so it was a really good performance um and getting a second round finish and, and so the thing with this one it was a bit tricky as you were thinking, okay, she didn't look um, as, you know, she didn't look as refined as UFC ready in the first round. But the second round, oh, she looked a lot sharper, a lot better. And you thinking, all right, from the way she was in the second, I think she could possibly get a contract, you know. the f Oh, so the full fight. Ah, the fourth fight was Brock Weaver, who um, wanted to be the first um, Native American in the UFC. Now, I have to say, Nico Montana, I believe, is that. But, you know, so you had Brock Weaver against Devin Smith. And, um, yo, 
this was man this was another crazy fight both both were really taking each other in the first round and smith is throwing some good kicks some good punches and he was taking weaver down you know he, he threw in a couple of um yeah takedowns the thing is I don't know what happened, but somewhere in that first round, he did something to his hands. Because in the second round, he didn't throw any punches. The second and third round, didn't throw any punches. At, I think he threw one in the third round, but that was it. All he was doing was trying to go for the takedown and throwing some short elbows. Like, he'd even really slowed down on the kicks. Hardly any kicks were thrown after the first round from Smith. And, um, I don't know, I think Weaver could sense it because he, yeah, he was able to stop most of Smith's takedown defences. And when Smith had him up against the fence, he was throwing hard punches to the stomach he was throwing knees to the legs, you know, he, it was like, he was really kind of, um, yeah, really stifling Smith's game, and because Weaver was throwing the punches, it, it, you know, his work was standing out, so it was very close, you know what I mean, it was very close all the way, but, yeah, I, I, I just think Weaver was throwing more punches. And, um, yeah, like, everything he was throwing was really with intention. The knees, the punches. He was stopping the takedowns. So, Smith did a really good job with the fact that he couldn't use his hands for some reason. But... You just kind of thought, okay, with the judge looking at this, they're probably going to give it to Weaver because he's using all his tools. And, um, yeah, that was it. It went to the decision and, um, yeah, Weaver, Weaver took it. And, um, yo, when he talked to Laura Sanko, man, he was entertaining. So you were just thinking, oh... I think he might have done enough to get himself a contract. Man, you know what I mean? Dude, this is looking fire. So, the last fight of the night was William Knight against Herdeem Alakabak. Alakabak? Mm, this is more or less. More or less. And um, so, Alakabak had a lot more experience than um the night you know um and he looked technique wise he looked the sharper of the fighters but night was he looked like mini hulk in there he really did it was insane but um yeah like alcabec was in control was in definitely all in control of the first round like Knight was trying but you know what I mean it, it was just he couldn't get off 
he was a step behind Alcabec. So he was throwing some punches and stuff like that, but he couldn't stop the takedown really. And he, and he was getting smothered. So he went into the first round and it was repeat of the first. And you just thought, if this finishes like this, yeah, night is done. Like, night is done. You know what I mean? It, 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 he'd have to knock Alcabec out in the third or something. And you couldn't see that happening. But before the end of the second, Knight was able to get a reverse on Alcabec and end up on top. And he was on top and he started to throw down punches and some elbows. So you thought, oh, I don't think he's won the round from that. But it was definitely enough to boost his confidence. And it that's what it did. It really did. Because going into the third, Knight seemed uh, you know, just more confident. He he was able to stop some takedowns. Um, he was throwing some punches. He was connecting, and you could see Alcabec was tired. But I think what really did it, what really turned this fight around, was in the clinch. Knight jumped up and landed a killer knee. Oh my god! Now it didn't put Alcabec out. But he staggered back and Knight followed up with punches. Uh, he was then able to get Alcabec down. And I think Alcabec was still dazed because Knight was able to just easily get mount. Easily get mount. Um, and he started to rain down some punches. Like you could still see his greenness because, you know... Like, the technique was a bit sloppy. It was a bit sloppy. It was like, you know, he didn't seem to be able to, um, you know, posture up and properly rain down. But he did manage to maintain top position, which was the most important thing. Like, Alcavet gave up his back. Knight was able to stay on top and he landed some punches. Um... Alcabec turned and um, Knight controlled him with one arm and was laying down some punches. He then just kind of sat back and threw. Alcabec tried to turn out of it, but he wasn't going anywhere. Knight just was throwing and throwing, and there were so heavy punches that the referee had to stop the fight. This was a tricky one. Because Knight obviously was so damn green. But, you know what I mean? I think it, with the fact of how big he is and he wasn't tired. Like, he wasn't as crazy fatigued as, um, you know, Carl Reed or Julius Anglacius in that first round, first fight. So, you just thought, alright, Knight has got potential, but could he get a contract? So, Dana and the guys went, had a chat, so, came back, and as expected, Agla you know, Julius Anglacius, he, he didn't get a contract. Dana said, look, he, he's young, if he can go away and just work on his deficiencies, 
he thinks he could make it back to the UFC. Uh, he then gave contracts to Gravely, to Alpa, to Weaver, and he gave a developmental contract tonight. So it was another great week of fights. Um, yeah, three three main contracts and one developmental. So another really good week. So um, yeah, next week is week nine. So a hey, that's I believe that's the. I don't know. I I think. I I think there's 12, so I think we've, you know, got four more events, but, um, yeah, we'll have to see, but, yeah, definitely looking forward to week nine, and that's it, really, for, um, MMA action this week. Okay, so as part of the Invicta 36 card, they announced another Phoenix Rising tournament in September. And this is an eight-woman flyweight tournament. And so, um, yeah, it's going to take place in Memorial Hall, Kansas City on the 6th of September. And the fighters involved are Deanna Bennett, Milana Duvois, Malia Santos, Maja Sonatama, Diana Toracotto, Cherry Morizaki, Liz Tracy, and Miranda Maverick. Um, it's going to be the same as the last tournament. So we're going to have four quarterfinals, two semis. Then the final, um, the uh, the quarterfinal fights are going to be one round. It says the semi-finals are one round, but I do believe last time the semis were two rounds. But then the final fight is going to be a five-rounder. Um, no, sorry, the the final is going to be three rounds. Hmm. I don't know. I'm not sure. I think that might be a little bit wrong. But we're also going to get two other fights on the card that we'll see um, Alexa Connors will take on um, Maria Agapova and Jose Stortz will face Heron. Helen Lucerio. Um, yeah, the last tournament was fire. So, uh, yeah, definitely looking forward to this one. Um, other news. So, the CSAC, that's the California State Athletic Commission, have, um, they've suspended Aspen Ladd's license to fight at Bantamweight. So the reason why, there's lad fights at Bantam, which is 135 pounds. Now, there is a um, a stipulation that from weighing to when you walk into the ring, 
you should only really put on 10% weight gain and in the Sacramento fight Aspen Ladd walked into the ring at 159 pounds so her weight gain was 18% which is the um, heaviest of all the fighters that night so because of that they want to really um, monitor Ladd's weight so um yeah, what they say is um, Lad has been booked by the UFC to fight Iana Kutsachaya on December the 7th in Washington, D.C. in a bantamweight bout. Um, Lad will be working with the UFC Performance Institute in Vegas to come up with a nutrition plan that will have to be approved by CSAC physicians. The physicians will then monitor her weight leading up to the December fight. Foster said lads trained at MA Gold in Folsom, California, less than 30 miles from Sacramento, where the CSAC is based. Foster said he has been in touch with DC's Combat Sports Commission about the situation. And, um,. Yeah, so it's basically trying to ensure that, um, yeah, she does a healthy weight cut and it's not like the craziness that has been going on of late. Um, okay, so there has been a whole lot of news. Um, Yo, just breaking, Kat Zingano has been released from a UFC contract. No word really on the reason, but she is one and four in her last five fights. Um, so, some of the fights that have been announced. So, Alistair Overeen will be fighting Walt Harris. Um, on as the headline of the UFC on ESPN 7 card in December in Dece in DC in December uh, Caitlin Kajajian will be fighting Jennifer Meyer at UFC 244 in Madison Square Garden in November um, also Boston Salmon is to fight Randy Costa at UFC on ESPN 6 that's going to be taking place in Boston I think that is in October Angela Hill is going to be fighting Ariane Carnalossi at UFC Mexico City so Angela will be um, a replacement for um she is replacing um, Estela Nunes, who um, has been pulled due to an anti-doping uh, violation. Um, what else? Oh, some really big news. So Ben Rothwell is going to be fighting on the UFC on ESPN 7 card. 
and he's going to be fighting Stefan Skyscraper Struve. Yes, people, that is right. Stefan Struve is coming out of retirement. So, um, yeah, that is, uh, well, that's just really unexpected. You know what I mean? Didn't really see that coming at all. Uh, Jessica I is going to be fighting Vivian uh, Ariuju in um, UFC 245 in December. Um, and yeah, that is, I think that's about it, people. But um, yeah, loads of crazy news. Um, we uh, got three events next week. So there's a grappling jiu-jitsu event. Um, I think it's Kinetic. That's happening on Friday. Then we've got UFC 241. Hill v... Um, sorry, DC v Stipe. For the rematch on Saturday And then on Sunday It's another combat jiu-jitsu event So, um, hey This is gonna be a great next few days And then Dana White Contender Series Week 9 So, um, yeah It's gonna be chock-a-block Full of mixed martial arts action so, um, yeah, we'll see you next Wednesday for another edition of Chin Check. Peace.